Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys and a Mike Show. Big Dog and the Coach back at you here. We're like a bad dream. We keep popping up one hour a day, five days a week. That's five in total here at thetalkzone.com. It's the Two Guys and a Mike Show with you, the dog and the coach. we got plenty to talk about as the collegiate basketball season comes to a closure. Yesterday, the Kentucky Wildcats with three freshmen and two sophomores in their starting five win the championship. We'll talk about that, and Big Dog will break down and analyze and preview the women's championship. That'll be about an 18-second segment tonight. Uh, Baylor taking on Notre Dame, a great game. We also got baseball preview action coming up. We'll jump off the sports page as we always do. We'll be off and running in about eight seconds as soon as we listen to some preview music here on the Talk Zone. Oh, goodness. Big dog, well, the cat's away, the mice will play. Well, the dog's away, the cats will play, whatever the expression is. I'm reading one of our old Facebook posts here from when you were hosting, not that old, last week. When you were hosting, it says, talk sports and more with the big dog before the coach comes back and ruins everything, and the everything in capital letters. I take that, uh, actually, I don't take it too personal, but uh, I did catch that, just in case you tried to sneak that by. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't post that personally. That was somebody uh. had broke into my Facebook account. I cannot say <laughs> one of your people, huh? Yeah, it was, uh, you got to be careful about that, especially people like you, because you know you were telling me oh, I don't want to go on this Facebook. People can get my information, blah yeah. blah blah. And I'm like, coach, don't worry about it. There, people can steal your information on any other thing. So before, why are you worried about one? Before well, the coach. Go ahead. I re- I realize that you're on a public computer and you leave yourself logged in on Facebook. So I, I posed as you, John Cohn, last <laughs> week while you were gone. So just a reminder, Coach, from now on when you're on a public computer, make sure you log out of all your accounts so when I turn it on, I can't be John Cohn. When you were gone for two or three days, I sent messages to your family. Uh, I, I expect some pretty people to be upset at you, Coach. Just well, I, w- I was logged in on the... <laughs> Thank you. Is that why people are giving me strange looks ever since I've come back? Now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now it's starting and, uh, to make sense. But um, yeah, any any moms that may have friended you that were coaches, moms. Yeah. Well, coach. Well, you're not I'm, into my whole personal. You're just into my Facebook. Yeah, no, but nowadays that, that message from Facebook, people just assume it's you. Yeah, but see, I don't have any personal friends on Facebook. I'm not that many, anyways. Oh well, you might now. <laughs> Extremely personal, coach. Oh, we'll call them frenemies, right? Well. <laughs> Use that particular term. Big Dog, great to be uh, back with you again. Again, uh, off last week. We uh, resumed action yesterday, but uh, five days a week this week. We'll be uh, together bringing some sports and more. Big Dog and a coach at your service. The two guys at a mic show, college basketball last night. Uh, you called it. You predicted it. Kentucky pretty much from start to finish. Kansas made some runs, my friend, but it was Kentucky's game. The more talented team won the game. Yeah, I was hoping that Kansas was going to show some of that, I don't know, magic that they've had so far in this tournament. Yep. And and hopefully 
make a late run and have us have a dramatic finish, whether who, you know, but it, it didn't end up that way, and Kentucky pretty much did control the game. Kansas had that nice little possible run when they got it to, what, about 572-67? Yep. I believe that's what they, that's as close as they got it. I'm not sure if that's it, but other than that, it seemed like Kentucky was just, it was a coronation. It's, for the first 35 minutes of the game, it was a coronation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right, Kansas, uh, you know, when they got close... What made it even more slightly dramatic, it never quite hit that next level, but was the fact that they've done that three or four times in the tournament already and add to that dot, 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 the fact that John Calipari, not coaching Kentucky, but coaching Memphis, had a similar lead for a good part of the game, and they lost down the stretch, kind of choked, and Kansas came through and hit every shot back in 2008. So I think you had those two factors weighing in. I think everybody was waiting for it to hit. It never you know, the old scale never quite got to that next level, but it was close. Did you get a feeling a couple times, though, that you might, you know, see a little bit of a repeat? Yeah, I thought that was just more, uh, it was more hope that it would happen. So yeah. Just so we had a great ending, not so Calipari would lose or anything like that. It's funny, it's just that you asked me that question. You're like, if it gets close near the end, is the yep. fact that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that, that has nothing to do with it. But it's funny, the, the announcers brought it up. I mean, do you really think those kids on Kentucky really have any clue of what happened at Memphis four years ago at the end of the game? You know what I mean? Do you really think they're like, oh, they just scored a couple buckets and everyone said five. Do you remember what happened in the Memphis-Kansas game four years ago? That's what just cracked um, me up. I mean, it's not like it's not like it happened between those two teams and they lived it out last year, which I would well, say yes, definitely. But it's also, we're not talking, you know, 1965. We're not talking Bill Russell, Johnny Havlicek, and the Boston Celtics. 2008. These guys were probably watching, and they probably heard about it a little bit. So in answer to your question, I'm not sure I'd go the route that you were headed. I, I think uh, you're partly right because they're young, innocent, brash kids. They're not thinking about it that much. But I think at least some of them were were aware of that legacy or lack of. Okay, well, I, I thought it was kind of overplayed. I thought it was more media than trying to be like, "Hey, you might want to stick, you might want to stay around and, and not turn the channel because mm-hmm. you know this this happened before between John Calipari." I just thought that was, they were doing a little of that. So. If any of our college basketball fans, you want to help uh, on the. Wrap-up show here as the collegiate hoop season comes to a close. Now we can concentrate on the NBA playoffs. Of course, we have the women's championship tonight, 888-463-6748. Our phone number, dog and the coach, right here for you, 888 Big Dog, were you uh, at a sports bar? Were you working and watching it on your sports phone, home at the United Nations, or with the little lady last night? Paint a picture of your uh, television viewing. Uh, coach, uh, I am going to proudly say that I was at home. I'm going to be home alone all day today. I got a bunch of stuff that I need to get done, a uh, bunch of writing stuff. Uh, the, everybody is in Hawaii. So what happens is this is they, they all, all my roommates are all in Hawaii for two weeks, and this is the two weeks where I don't have to clean up after anybody. <laughs> Kitchen will be clean. You have no idea. I'll be able to wa- wake up, come home, and be like, oh, I can actually make a dinner without actually having to clean anything before I make. You know what I mean? Stuff yeah. like that. Yep. I, I, everybody, hey, do you want to come in and do this? I don't want to leave the house. I honestly do not want to leave the house for two weeks. I, I'm on lockdown, and then after this two weeks <laughs> on April 15th, my season starts basically for water riders, and I will basically work seven days a week until November okay. 1st. So 
this is my decompression time mm-hmm. where I need this. Like, I need to get a lot done on this year, man, and a bunch of other stuff. I got good year. I got good news on this year, man, stuff too, Coach. It's going to be more than just a Cub fan. If you want to get in shape and be healthy this year, you go to this year, man, for health advice. Ah, interesting. Little offshoots. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have other things because people recently they're like like they're like in, you have no idea how many messages a day I get on some. Joel, I've been trying to lose weight, and I finally were going to listen to your advice. You know, because I got all these things like I rip my friends. Oh, you're on a diet. Why would you ever be on a diet? I rip them for like eating sugar free stuff or mm-hmm. fat free and diet coke. And I've like hammered all these guys. Well, they are slowly, recently coming my way after they see a few of my friends that have listened to me. And like, one guy lost 127 pounds in a year. And uh, so I, I figured I might as well take advantage of it, Coach. Okay, so and this put- year, man, will not only uh, have meaning and be semi-logoistic, if I could use that term for our Chicago Cubs, and I want to talk about opening day and the possibility that this year, man, will be around Wrigley Field, but you're talking about this year, man, will also be doing some health and fitness tips and kind of use the motto of, hey, this is the year I become healthier, I look better, I, you know, change some habits. Is that kind of the route you're going? Yeah, I like the phrase, this year, man, come on, do it this year. I'm, everybody, I'll, I'll start doing it. The, the sooner you do it, the easier it is, and so mm-hmm. quicker you'll get your results. Every day as you sit around and just let your metabolism slow down, uh, put a bunch of pollutants in your body that are going to end up killing you in some way. Might as well start eating the right way. Coach. I may hire David, knowing that he's doing that, I may hire like some fat, overweight, out-of-shape guy and be the antithesis to this year, man, and he'll, I'll have him show up unexpected at some of your outings, some of your personal trainings. You never know. He might even be between you and uh, Lily the Lilac, right at right smack on the couch when you least expect it, Big Doe, but he's going to be known as, come on, man. Oh, how about wait till next year, guy? Okay. That's not bad. I like Good the ring of, come on, man. Come on, come man. On. What would happen if come on, man, meets this year, man? Well, uh, we'll have to find out because I haven't seen him yet, but I've been really working on my jab, coach. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Right now, I, I doubt anybody. If he's going to step up and fight me, he better learn how to kick pretty hard is the mm-hmm. best way I can tell you. Well, I will give you a warning in advance. If I can find the right guy, if you do a jab or a punch to the stomach, you may never find your right fist again because I'm looking for the biggest, fattest dude I can. Well, luckily I jab with the left hand. Yeah. So. <laughs> One punch to the abdomen, you might never see that fist again. It'll be like a lost and found. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Interesting. All right, now, uh, uh, I want to get back to the basketball, but as long as we're on this year, man, and for folks new to the show, not sure what we're talking about, check out the Facebook page this year, man. Uh, Chicago Cub, what do we call it? mascot sort of, or a cheerleader? Uh, no, no, no. He's a kind of, I, I don't know, he's just a, a guy that believes the Cubs are going to win this yeah. year. Yeah, and dresses up kind of in a Superman-esque type uh, outfit. Yes, The David. eternal Optimist Cubs fan. That's good. That's good. The the internal or external or oh, eternal? Eternal. Okay. As in for, <laughs> forever hopeful of the Cubs' choices. There you go. Uh, there, was a, there was an internal Cubs thing once, Dave. It wasn't good for him. It was a bad time in his life. Yeah, he was a doctor, and I think he lost his license. He got a little bit too internal. Uh, 888-463-6748, our phone number. But there is a rumor, Big Dog, before we get off of this year, man, that uh, he may be appearing not inside a Wrigley Field because we've already established 
at least right now, they won't allow him. We're hoping Theo, Jed, and company, once they see how user-friendly he is, they're going to make an exception for this year, man. But he will be wandering around before the game at Wrigley Field. Is that rumor confirmed yet or just a rumor? Uh, I mean, he's willing, Coach. He's willing. He's okay. got to. He's got to. He has work to do this week, and uh, he definitely wants to be down there. But the the thing is, is, if he goes down there, he'll be able to watch the game. So it ends up being kind of difficult. Well, there, there are places called sports bars. Uh, that's it's always good to put a raging alcoholic with a hundred bucks in his pocket <laughs> inside of a, a sports bar. Yeah, wearing a cape, no doubt. Yes, without yeah. question. You bring up a, a very good point, Counselor. Thank you very much. Well, we'll take that into consideration. Or we'll have more details on exactly what's going to be going on. But this year, man, hopefully we'll be making an appearance. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I expect him out there. And especially, uh, he should probably should be out there on Wednesday and on Friday because those should be the most beautiful days of the week. And Thursday, expect it to be freezing, no! raining, wow. and windy. No. Yes. Mm. Thursday. Not good. The rest of the days this week, beautiful. Kind of cool, cool, getting cooler as the week goes on, but raining on Thursday with oh, high boy. winds. Oh, boy. That's, that that's, that's a problem because this year, man, does not dress with a lot of clothing, so the cold could be uh, problematic. That, that's, that's the issue here. That's coming up. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll sort it all out. But uh, meanwhile, the Chicago Cubs do open up. Opening day, Washington Nationals at home. White Sox the following day, and I believe, Big Dog, they are at Texas taking on the Rangers, uh, who, of course, two years in a row have been right on the cusp, the precipice, if you will, of uh, the championship. So a couple of interesting series to start the baseball season. One season ends, another begins. I've always said it's one of the great things about sports. There's very few downtimes. Basketball, the college variety, anyways, ending yesterday, and now we got the baseball season to look forward to. But uh, there's no coincidence that all these particular seasons seems to end and start exactly at the right time. You want to know why, people? Because of television. It wasn't always like this, but all these dates have been figured out and conjured up to make it extremely easy for. Uh, televisions to not only program the stuff but also promote the next programming that's coming up it's 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 really unbelievable it's uncanny if you think about when when is when's the biggest race for nascar coach well you got daytona which already oh it doesn't it just happens to be the sunday after the super bowl every year this year it was two weeks after super bowl they messed that one up it's just it's just funny how if you just name the biggest event the Kentucky Derby. There is nothing going on the first week of 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 May besides like regular season baseball games, and everybody can miss that on a Saturday at five o'clock. There's, it's never competing against anything. It's All a tradition like none other. There you go. That it's it's always the week after the finals of of basketball. So it never competes with that. But and and it's also the beginning of baseball season. Everybody can miss a Sunday afternoon baseball game. Mm-hmm. To watch, uh, to, to watch the Masters. You just can go on and on and on how perfectly packaged. The only thing I'd say is the Kentucky Derby could possibly go up against uh, NBA or NHL hockey uh, playoff games, which could be huge. Yeah. You know what Consi- I mean? But well, but considering but minutes, the... You're right. People are going to change the channel for two minutes to watch the race. Yeah, I mean, if you don't think... Uh, if you don't want things competing with the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs, you got to 
basically take about a two month vacation because that thing lasts forever. So you, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect point there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a but, tradition but it, like none other, by the way. But when you think about June, the only thing that June has, they have the first week of June is the last four or five games of the NHL Stanley Cup. Yep. And then it's the and it's the NBA Finals from June 10th to June 28th. You know, I mean, June is, I mean, and there's nothing else in June that you're going to miss or that you would miss up besides what the U.S. Or the U.S. Opens also in June. That could be it. Well, don't forget, you get, you get the ball tipped up for the start of the WNBA season. <laughs> and they, and that is strategically placed in the yes. part of the year with nothing else going on in America. If you think about it, yes, July and August, and we still baseball. can't still can't go more than two thousand people at a game. Very frustrating. Yeah, well, maybe they, this might sound crazy. Maybe in some of these WNBA seasons, the uh, cities they should have outdoor basketball games. Hmm. I, I, honestly, to be. Okay, it's it's August fifteenth, and you're like, hey, Co- hey, Joel, let's go watch uh, rookie Brittany Griner, who's also playing with uh, Sue Bird. Uh, oh, that's a sounds like a nice combination. I don't want to sit in inside the UIC Pavilion on August tenth, so it's just too beautiful. It's an interesting oh, but if you concept. Told me they were playing, you know, along the lakefront yep. outside a Soldier Field or something. That insult, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you know what? Not a bad concept. Not a bad concept at all. Outdoor basketball year, because in the summertime, you're battling with all the outdoor activities, uh-huh. your music festivals and stuff like that. So you have a little outdoor lighted court. It can become kind of a party atmosphere out there of sorts. Actually, uh, not bad. I'll be relaying that information to the commissioner of the WNBA, Miss Donna Lopiano. I have some inside connections, Big Doug. If your, do- uh, if your idea comes through, you will get at least 2% of all the gate. I would, I'd really appreciate that. And, and it's not like these games would be any less meaningful because they're outdoors. Yep. But it's, let's face it, they're not playing these games in January. They're playing them in July and August. And Mm -hmm. to get me to sit indoors during something like that, it's going to have to take like a UFC championship fight for me to, you know, really. Who wants to go indoors in the middle of July or August? How about after the games? You know, you could make it like a little summer party. You play the WNBA game after the game, a little barbecue. You get a band play, a little music, so it becomes an outdoor event centered around the basketball game. But more things to it. I think it's a great concept. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can set up the uh, you can set up a, a really you can probably get five thousand people to go to that game. Yep. Okay. Set up a, a television like with a big screen TV at, at one end for the replays. These women are still playing at an elite WNBA level, except instead of being in the middle of the UIC Pavilion where you feel like, I mean, honestly, you want to be there on August 1st. Mm-hmm. I like to go If we can make something happen, Coach, if I got 2% of the gate, I, I would actually give I would give back, Coach. I will, I will negotiate uh, for you. And, of course, if I negotiate of the 2%, I am going to demand 0.75%. So that leaves you with 1.25 percent, but beggars can't be choosy, Big Doug. We'll uh, we'll talk to Miss Lopiano off the air. But uh, at any rate, uh, basketball of the collegiate variety did come to a close last night. Uh, Kentucky winning the ball game, winning the championship. The favored team comes through. It doesn't happen that often where the favored team actually gets it done. But uh, even though, you know, Big Dog, a lot of people aren't rooting for Kentucky because, you know, powerhouse program already, a lot of one-and-done player. You do have to respect the fact, at least I think you do, uh, you know, three freshmen, 
two sophomores, young players, and they played defense. They committed to the defensive end, and they shared the basketball. So John Calipari and his coaching staff have to get credit, I think. And I know it was a talented team, but still, they had to play D, and they did it, and they played as a team. And that's not always easy to get those five guys to do. Uh, no, it isn't. It really isn't. And I don't. if you need to get players at that elite a level, if they can start as freshmen on Kentucky, a lot of times they have the mentality of, like, I got to do it my way. I got to be the scorer. <laughs> Let me be the, the Ben Gordon scorer. You know, those guys played as a team coach, and they, they really did it, even though they weren't that deep. I mean, it never seemed like they were ever – they always had great players on the court at all time, and, and lucky for them, they never got in any foul trouble or – or anything like that throughout the tournament, and they were they never really got tested. They just mm-hmm. came to cruise. That it is a great NCAA team. If you match them up against other teams, obviously they won't have the experience as a lot of other NCAA champions. But it's it's one of the great champions that I've seen. What really, they lose? What they did they lose one game or two during the regular they season? Lost, they lost two games this year. Okay. So in, at Indiana on the last second shot. Yep, that one. I mean, Indiana Indiana beat them pretty good that day. Uh, even though they needed a three-pointer at the end to, to nail off the win. And the other one was Vanderbilt. Who's the, and Vanderbilt had that one, the best shooter in the NCAA this year, who just went off against Kentucky. And that's how they won. Was I forget what's that guy's name? Uh, John Jenkins. He miss, yeah, he didn't miss a shot against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He, and they and they had like some scheme defensively, and they kind of they, they confused Kentucky a little bit, and they lost in the, in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. But hey, they... They seem to make up for it, didn't they, Coach? If you you end up going on a run in the NCAA tournament, it's, it's okay if you, you lose uh, your conference tournament championship. Tremendous performance, no question about it. Doran Lamb, Terrence Jones, the two sophomores, the veterans, if you will. Uh, Damian Miller, the super sub, the senior coming off the bench. Of course, Anthony Davis, the phenomenal freshman. Uh, Marcus Teague, don't call me Jeff, his brother Jeff, great point guard for the Atlanta Hawks. He was brilliant at the point guard position. Uh, probably all three of those freshmen are going to go pro. And Anthony Davis, big though, we talked about the story of Chicago kid. I mean, everybody knows the story at this point. Just a meteoric rise to the top of the charts of basketball. And, you know, coming out of high school, we thought, wow, the story was really a wow story. We'll put about 16 exclamation marks after the wow because the guy goes to college in his freshman year, college player of the year, NCAA championship, MOP, the most outstanding player in the tournament, and in all likelihood, his name will be called first in the NBA draft. I mean, that's an unbelievable quadrant of uh, basketball championships right there for one guy, Big Doug. The Anthony Davis story, absolutely amazing. Two years ago as a junior, his team won six high school basketball games. uh, How does that happen? You you know, Coach, you're the one who told me about the kid. And I had never heard of him. Okay, and so last year you're like, well, Kentucky's got this kid from a small, and I had never heard of him, and I, I'll admit I never heard of the kid. And then, but earlier this year, you had after you had said Austin Rivers was blah blah blah. No, I'm just giving you a hard time about you talking about how great Austin Rivers is going to be. You were like, well, Davis is good, but I don't know if he's going to be like all time like shot blocking defensive guy, coach. He, I don't think there's any question about it. Now he has a niche on the all-time, like, great defensive players in the history of college basketball. I never saw Bill Russell win. And obviously, you know, there's zero, there's like two minutes of footage of him at 
at San Francisco, but I, I can't imagine. This was, to me, almost as good as what Patrick Ewing was. When I was a kid watching him dominate at Georgetown, it felt the same way. If Anthony Davis stayed for three more years at Kentucky, he would be, I mean, beyond whatever Patrick Ewing was yep. at Georgetown. Coach. Yep, uh, that, that was the impression I had when you were saying one of the great shot blockers, defenders, and history of college basketball. I'm thinking, yes, but the body of work is so small because he's going to be a one and done but so it's hard to judge. But mm-hmm. absolutely, in the one year that he played, that's about as dominant defensively as I've ever seen a college basketball player. Just amazing. And he does it without fouling. He's always under control, even though he is shot blocker extraordinaire. Very rare combination. Uh, John Calipari has said it, and I was like, wow, I never heard it explained that way. But it's a great shot blockers. They block the ball. They never go after anybody's hand. Yep. They wait, and the ball is released, and then, they, oh, okay, let's block the shot. Mm-hmm. So because of that, they don't fall for fakes, and if you don't fall for fakes, you don't follow people. And, uh, you know, I, I never I never even considered of it that way. I, a hand goes up, you go after the hand, try to go after uh, the ball, but no, you don't do it that way. You just keep your hands up and let the guy shoot, and then you go swat the ball away. Mm-hmm. To be that good, to be able to do it that way, well, that, that, that's one of those things in sports that I guess I'll never going to be able to experience or experience to be that dominant to do it like that. If you ever watch volleyball players, they kind of, the, 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 the blockers, and volleyball has become very specified now, where, you know, uh-huh, different yeah. positions, but they do have a position called the middle blocker. He's a blocking specialist. If you watch them, Anthony Davis would be a great volleyball player because they don't jump too soon. In fact, if you watch it, you think they're jumping, like, get up already. The guy's going for the spike, but what they do is they wait to the last second, and then they jump up, and obviously they're skilled and well-coached, and they're a great shot blocker, but the key big dog is waiting, anticipating, being patient, and then going after the ball. That's exactly what Anthony Davis does in the defensive end. You know, Coach, I was watching the, the University of Illinois volleyball team when they were playing in the in the title game, Yeah, and it's so funny that you said that because the two girls that are the blockers, they would – they would hustle back and forth doing the shuffle step along the net, yep. and they kept their butts totally low the whole entire time. They were ready to jump. You're exactly, that's the best. You explained it the best. They, they waited to the last second, but they stayed with their butt low. They looked like linebackers, yep. like flying back and forth. And if I was going to procreate, I would procreate with a blocker. <laughs> You know, a 6'4 girl that is able to have great lateral quickness and can really keep her butt low and explode yep. at the last second, you know. <laughs> if there is a six foot four inch female out there who can sink her hips with the best of them, interested in, uh, again, you're not talking for a long-term relationship. You strictly want to procreate for athletic purposes. Just just the procreation part. I, I, I have met, like, seriously, I'm uh, the nicest girl. <laughs> I'm very happy with the girl that I have yes. as in terms of a relationship. Yes. I'm just talking super athlete yes. baby. Yeah. If you're turning out uh, having one of your kids becoming an Olympic, great. I've seen Lily the Lilac. I don't know if we're going to get an Olympic sprinter out of Lily. No, no. You'd be surprised how fast the girl is and how high she can jump. <laughs> She's just, you know, her athleticism I have no problem with. And I'm being, I'm being totally 100% with you on that. You should see this girl jump. She could, it's, it's, the girl's got some explosiveness. So I promise you, it's in a, it's in a five three package. Okay. I, I want the six four packaging. <laughs> is what I want. 
Oh, goodness. Anybody interested, feel free to email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. We'll do some background checks. Uh, not on you. We'll do the background checks on Joel, of course. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see if we can uh, get something going. But, uh, you know, the, Olymp- the Olympic Games for 2036 might be, uh, you know, might be. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I actually wouldn't have to wait that long. They start early now. But, uh, by the way, speaking of the Olympic Games, you are aware that this summer, Amongst the many sporting events we already talked about, Big Dog, in August, we will be having the 2012 Olympic Games live from London. Yeah, and uh, aren't we going to all be happy when uh, we see the, the Bulls who are going to go through all the way through the playoffs and be totally exhausted when we see Derek Rose playing for uh, the United States and he's getting he's getting fouled going to the hole by Amir Ashik of Turkey, who just <laughs> who just beat uh, Luol Bang of uh, of of England. Yes. Oh, Carlos Bucho is going to make the team because Chris Bosch fell asleep and he missed the plane. So Bruce <laughs> is probably going to have to pay for the U.S. team too. So it's funny. Everybody, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a pessimist. This is a Bulls fan. I'm like, that's what I'm thinking about this summer. Uh, this should be a great Olympics coach. Mm. And Usain Bolt, I think, is going to try to break his own 100-meter record, especially considering that he is not the world champion 100-meter sprinter. In the world right now, I want to remind everybody that that the fastest person in the world is not the champion. Who is the guy it? Tyson. Who the show in 2008. Well, guess what? He's running angry in 2012. He got there was a false start issue, and he got he didn't get to run in the champion in the world championships. Mm-hmm. I, I for, uh, that's the thing I'm looking at the most. I love the sprint game. The sprint games are my favorite yeah. coach. Not me. And. And I don't know that he's gonna he's gonna try to do like below nine five. He's gonna try to run a nine four nine or something like that. It, it's as impressive of athletes and the speed and explosiveness is incredible. I just can't get into a race that lasts like six seconds. I love a little drama. I love a little strategy. I love a little uh, you know mono versus mono or femalo versus femalo. A little competition. The four hundred, the eight hundred, the mile, the two mile. I enjoy those distance runs a little bit better than the boom. And it's over. But on the other hand, the sprinters are the uh, the bodies, the speed, the power is unbelievable. It's it's impressive, but I don't enjoy it as much. If that makes any sense. Coach, who won the who won the four hundred at the last Olympics? The four hundred. Not Jeremy. What was that guy's name? Jeremy Whitner or something? Jeremy Jer- Warner. Jeremy Warner, but he was more of an eight hundred guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Did he win the eight hundred? What are you trying to make a point that everybody knows the sprinters and not the? That... I was a little, a little bit of that one. Well, right. If I... that's your point, that's fine, but yeah. that doesn't take away the fact I enjoy watching the longer races more. That's uh, I, I understand. Though. There's just something yeah. about that moment, just the oh, anticipation, yeah. like, yeah. like them getting in the blocks. And yep. then, so I, yeah. I just, I, it just sounds kind of strange. I knew where I was at every single 100 meter Olympic final ever. Really? Seriously, I'm not kidding you. I've been there and watched every one since 1984. Interesting. I'm a dork. Interesting. And the start is so critical because obviously one-tenth of a second is huge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you talk about the false start and the controversy with the Usain Epley name. I love that name for a sprinter, Usain, Usain Bolt. But um, the start is so crucial and so key. There's a lot of pressure on the, the guys to get off quickly and the timer and the judges, too, who uh-huh. make that decision. You know, the the funny thing is when Bolt ran the 9.66 in the 2008 Olympics, 
he had the worst start of anyone in the field. And his teammate, uh, Asafa Powell, who was right next to him. This is yep. the most amazing part of it. I don't know what's more uh, impressive, Coach, that Usain Bolt run a 9.66, and let's face it, coasted the last 19 meters. Yep. Or the fact that during the first 40 yards, not 40 meters, during the first 40 yards of that race, uh, Asafa Powell ran a 3.98. Imagine someone going to the combine and electronically wow. timed, and they ran a 3.98. Seats would be ripped out of the, the whatever they call the Lucas Oil Drum Stadium in Indianapolis during the combine. The man would be tackled by a scout being like, you're not going anywhere. I, I just quit my team. I am not your agent. I mean, a 398, that's what that's, to me, that was the craziest. It was crazier to me than the 966 in the 100-meter dash coach. A drop of ball was two and a half yards ahead of of Usain Bolt at this point. Mm-hmm. A sub-440 yard dash? The guy's 195 pounds. Someone should find out if he could run, if he could play football in America. <laughs> Check his hands, see if he can catch the football. Oh, yeah. good. I don't know how we got on the Olympic game topic here, but uh, as long as we are, I should mention, probably the most depressing sports thing, and you and David Olson, the rest of the crew, probably didn't even bring it up. Probably don't even realize it happened. But while I was gone hearing about re- – I still haven't seen the replay. But our U.S. Olympic men's soccer team, Big Dog, did not qualify for the Olympics. First time since 1976. And the horror of the drama was in uh, uh, was in tremendous – well, tremendous isn't the right word. Depressing late-game drama, apparently. Forget what team they were playing. I don't know. Uh, was it El Salvador? Might have been. Ecuador, El Salvador, but apparently a we needed to win that game to qualify. So we must have lost a game earlier. But anyhow, we're up by a goal late, and they are pressuring a little bit, and our goal is making some nice saves. The game goes into extra time, so there's only a minute or two left. We're hanging on, we're hanging on, a trip to the Olympic Games in tow, and apparently a long kick from distance by the Ecuador-El Salvador team goes off of our goalie's hand, probably a save he should have made, a a bad goal, not an own goal, but a bad goal, goes into the net. And our men's Olympic team does not qualify for the Olympics. All the players go down to the the ground. They're in tears, totally dejected. Dramatic moment of the worst kind for the U.S. men's soccer team. Wow, I I, I didn't realize that's how it happened, Coach. Yep. And to add to it, the goalie it was the it was the backup goalie. It was not who's our starting goalie. What's the guy's name? Tim Howard. Yeah, Tim Howard. it was not Tim Howard. It was Sean Johnson, the backup goalie, and Sean Johnson is the starting goalie for your Chicago Fire. So he's got to he has to overcome that and the responsibility he feels for that, and hopefully have a good season for the Fire. But that that was a tough moment uh, for the men's soccer team. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty rough, and especially considering that they were playing supposedly really good football for a while, yep. and I guess not during the. That's 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 too bad. Hanging on, minute left. Hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, and a bad goal. Wow, that's got to be painful. But at any rate, we'll uh, certainly have the Olympic Games to look forward to at the end of the summer, and God willing, Big Dog will still be doing this. Two guys at a mic show, and we'll uh, be able to give some updates. We might even send you, maybe even this year, man. On a quick trip out to London, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have this year, man, wandering around, maybe the velodrome, maybe the archery competition, something like that. 
I have a, a friend of mine actually work in the Olympics. Really? I'm sure I can be able to get in. Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of archery, I don't know if you're aware, David Olson, Hunger Games, the movie, is it out or coming out? It's, it's been out. out for like two weeks, and it's a huge hit. Huge, huge hit, and apparently I have no interest in it. I have no I don't even know what it's about, but apparently archery is a big part of it. And the sport of archery, Big Dog, you'll be happy to know, is taking off. It's become kind of the hot thing for the uh, young, single people of the, not just city of Chicago, but around the country to do. Archery is becoming the hot sport. Yeah, and uh, if, yeah, if you had archery... Uh... Like shop or store or place a service. Yeah, you're doing unbelievable business right now. I've, I've noticed that too. And it's real big for women. So hey, if you're a guy, go out to some, go on Living Social, go on U Swoop, go find yourself a, a coupon. Go out there. There'll be plenty. There'll be. But then again, you got to be careful because you might end up dating a girl that's really good with a bow and arrow. Got to be careful, coach. That could be problematic. That can indeed be problematic. By the way, I hate to bring up another depressing note for you, but uh, without leaving college basketball too soon, big dog, Myers Leonard, seven foot one inch center for your Illinois Fighting Illini, has declared for the NBA draft. Sorry. Well, uh, Myers Leonard is an extremely smart individual, and hopefully he'll learn how to speak Greek because that's what he'll <laughs> learn. That's where he's going to be playing uh, in next year. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Seriously, I've watched enough Myers Leonard. Coach, we can always talk about skill and length and athletic ability. There are just some people that can get punked out way too easy. The NBA ain't the NFL, but it's still a grown man's league. And if he doesn't act like a grown man, he'll have zero chance in the NBA, and he has never acted like a grown man at the University of Illinois. Okay, it's as simple as that. I'm not sitting here to rip the kid. He is not ready for the NBA. Any team that picks him has wasted a pick. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, he came from a small town downstate Illinois, so he's still learning the game a little bit, the fame and fortune coming his way or soon to come his way. Um, To his credit, Big Dog, he was one of the guys that spoke out and, you know, defended Bruce Weber. He uh-huh. was very classy. I think even when the team was falling apart late, I Why think... Why did he play like that on the court? Well, the kid's a nice kid. He's, I'm not ripping the kid. He's a nice kid. He's an emotional kid and all that. But why didn't he play with toughness on the court? That's what I want to know. Yeah, he made the right decisions and back and coach and being like, you know, it was my fault. He showed accountability. That's the only way he has been a man is he showed accountability being like, I didn't play aggressive enough. I didn't take advantage of, of my skills. He's admitted that. Well, the point is still, at least you admitted that, but where was it? Why didn't you for a whole entire season? Why were there so many times where, oh, you didn't get the ball right away and they just sulk, oh, they're not going to give me the ball. Uh, you know, there, there was a little bit of four guys that should have been getting the ball to Myers Leonard yeah. all the time, and then Myers Leonard just sulk and be like, they're not giving me the ball, coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was the exact opposite of Tisdale. Tisdale never wanted to go down there. And and Myers Leonard was always down there. No one would get him the ball when he went down there, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it like his attitude of getting all PO'd when the teammates didn't get him the ball really has soured me on him, coach. Mm-hmm. What yeah. did you? You know what? Why don't you fight a little bit more for offensive rebounds then? If, if that's what it is, you're not getting the ball enough. So 
Seven feet, one inches tall, legit seven one, big wingspan. He can jump. He can run the floor. Pretty good defender. He can block shots. Not very skilled offensively, but with that physical uh, skill set, big dog. He, he's he's going to be a mid round, mid first round pick just on potential. Be hard to pass up. Okay, coach, a seven one guy that moves like a six seven guy. Yes, that's all great. He's I mean, you know how tough you have to be to play in the NBA? I mean, that's that league is cutthroat, Coach. He is nowhere near mentally ready to play against grown men in the NBA. And you, you might be right. He might get drafted in the middle of the first round because of his potential. He's going to sit his ass on the bench for five years in the NBA before he plays any legitimate time. Then again, he's 7-1 in athletics, so who knows? Who knows? Maybe he... <laughs> you know, he he just reminds me of James Augustine, coach. That's that's who he reminds me of. Except James Augustine was the you know the fifth player, offensive like player on a on a really good team where Myers Leonard was the same guy, long, athletic, good defensive player. But all of a sudden, he had to be the number one guy, and for some reason, he's getting more attention than. Some other players I've seen go through Illinois that were dramatically better than Myers Leonard. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing about going to the NBA, of course, you can concentrate full time on your basketball skills. That becomes your profession. You don't have to be bothered by aggravating things like actually going to class. Which brings me to an interesting point. We talked about this before. Now that Kentucky has won the championship, uh, paint a picture for me, Big Dog Doran Lamb, Terrence Jones, the sophomores. The three freshmen, Anthony Davis, Marcus Teague, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Uh, certainly not today because they're still celebrating. Let's give them to the end of the week and into next week. Do they go back to campus and pick up the books, go to class, do homework at this point? Uh, I'm going to say, and this is based on so many other football and basketball players that are in this position that are declaring and know they're going to get drafted. No, they're not, and it's sad to say there are some players that go back and they they study and they make sure they, they take advantage of of their education, mm-hmm. and maybe if they're close, they do, but a lot of these freshmen, they just make sure they go to class in the first, uh, first semester, so they'll be eligible to play in the tournament in the second semester, and then after that, it's bye-bye. Like, Anthony so, Davis, at this point, if he knew he was going to go, he might not have been to a class since January 11. Okay, I was going to ask, because semester break, uh, actually, I think the second semester in college is start when you come back, like in January. Yeah. So, technically, as as technically, as long as their first, they start the season and finish their first set of class, they don't technically have to go to class second semester? No, they wouldn't. If they were going to, if they weren't coming back as a sophomore, as long as their first semester was all thumbs up, mm-hmm. then there's, they don't have to do a dang thing. Deion Sanders, you know, that guy, he, you know, he was leaving after his junior year. There was no doubt, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, he had to stay eligible to play in the bowl game. So his first semester of his junior year, he went to his classes and all that, and as soon as the bowl game was done, he never went to another class and immediately started working out for the combine. Interesting. So, like, he went to two and a half years of classes at Florida mm-hmm. State. But, and, but, by the way, he was, like, he was like the one of the few guys they did not let redshirt because he was – Florida State made everybody redshirt, and he was like, all right, then I'll go to Miami. And they were like, okay, you don't have to redshirt, Dion. No problem. So. Huh. I, I, I just think that's something, unless I've missed it, 
that the media, you know, they talk about these issues all the time, and I just don't hear people bring up the real practical logistical fact of are these kids when the season's over going to class. And in basketball, it's even worse, Big Dog, because, you know, football, at least their football season's over. But in basketball, you know, they're playing for two more months on, you know, wearing your Kentucky jersey, wearing your Ohio State jersey, and some of those guys that are playing, what you're telling me, are have no interest and are not even making an effort through Jan, through Feb, and through March, however long the team line, of even trying to go to class or attend class. You know, it's funny that that I got, I'll think of the name, Coach, and I'm pretty sure the guy went to Connecticut, and this is how it, or Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure it was a Big East school and it was a C. And I don't, I can't remember if it was Huggins or if it was Calhoun, but it was either one of those guys that could care less about his, about his players' academics. But, Quite simply, like the guy was a freshman and like decided to declare but didn't hire an agent and then pulled himself back out and be like, you know what, I'm not going to go to the draft this year. And then he had trouble getting back into the school that he went into because they realized that during the second semester of his freshman year, he didn't do anything. Yep. He was a big name player coach that, 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 that I forgot exactly what. Then he was out of basketball for like a year, and he went to Europe, and he's in the NBA now. So, like, this this happens a lot is what I'm saying. You know, that's an issue that's never brought up. What about the fact that uh, teams can only, like, NCAA teams and college basketball teams, this happens in basketball, but not as frequently as football, where you only have so many scholarships, but you can give out as many as you want, and just say you've, just say you go to the University of Alabama and you were a, like a great player in high school. All of a sudden, you're going to graduate in four years. You've been there for three years. You're doing a red shirt. You've done everything right academically, but you've now you've maxed yourself out as being like a. You would start at 90 schools in college football, but you're at Alabama and they just got a number one recruit. So you're a senior, and there's some sophomore who's the number one tackle in the country. So now you're not starting as a senior. So you know what they do to you? Well, we don't need your scholarship anymore. Nick Saban, he does this every single year to, to five to ten players, just pull scholarships. And all of a sudden, that kid doesn't have a scholarship to go to Alabama anymore, and he's one year away from graduating or one semester away from graduating. Mm-hmm. And they pull the scholarship and they can't afford to go to Alabama. Next year, they got to go to some freaking junior college, and they're graduating from, you know, College of Charleston instead of North Carolina. If you, do you know what I'm saying, Coach? Yep, yep. This happened. And not to, like, one guy, and I'm talking, like, ten guys a year in a football program that'll happen to. I thought scholarships were guaranteed. Uh, um, that's while you're playing football there. So you guarantee a scholarship to a guy. You can pull them off the team and lose their scholarship. It's so jacked wow. up, Coach. It is ridiculous. How so then basically what you're saying is scholarships aren't guaranteed. Cause they... No, they're not. They're not. Like, so the thing is, oh, scholarships are guaranteed as long as you're playing football, but you still have to make the team. Sure about okay. Well, I just saw this whole Tom Rinaldi expose on mm-hmm. Alabama and all the players they've cut over the last, like, since Alex, since he's been at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I'll cut throat next day with it. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I'm a little confused about it, too, because I always thought it was uh, guaranteed. But from what I understand, it isn't. There's, there's technicalities around every single issue in mm-hmm. Alabama's been renowned for pulling scholarships on people. If, if that's the been. case, at the very least, there should be some kind of rule where those players get... Uh... They finish school there. 
Heck yeah. You're, yeah, you're one year away from getting an Alabama degree. Why yeah. should you get one from, you know, Tuscaloosa University as opposed to Alabama? Mm-hmm. No question about it. I drove through, by the way, the great state of Alabama from top to bottom, getting down to the Gulf Shores of Alabama. Beautiful, beautiful state. Long state to drive through, I will tell you. And there are a lot of colleges that I had never heard of. Along the way, we'd see signs for it, and I would kid my uh, my kid in the car. You know, you could go to this college here. You, you could be the f- first person from Glenview to attend, you know, University of uh, Southern Alabama at Mobile. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, a lot of colleges out there. UAB, Southern no, Alabama. There's no small colleges in Florida. So maybe Alabama and Georgia, with Georgia has a million of them to make up for it. Because, mm-hmm. like, Florida has all these massive Massive schools, but you can't find, like, McMurray's or Trinity's or Millican's, you know what I mean, in the yep. middle of Florida. Yep. But I bet in Alabama, and Tons there's of a them. bunch of them in Alabama. Ton, I think they grow them out there. It was unbelievable. It was like a sign every 10 miles. Some kind of community college, some kind of technical college, some kind of farming institute. Schools I had never heard of, but there's no question about it. Lots of uh, small colleges in the great state of Alabama. But uh, right now, the great state is Kentucky because they won the national championship. A real quick, big dog, before we change topics here, uh, the women's championship tonight, Baylor versus Notre Dame, the top two teams all season long, avoid upsets. They meet each other tonight in what could be a classic, your quick breakdown on what we might see in tonight's championship game. Well, uh, Kentucky won't have any players on their roster actually graduate besides one, and he's, he's the Caucasian. Okay. Well, everybody, Baylor and at Notre Dame, everybody is going to graduate from both of these rosters, and Notre Dame has like an academic All-American on their starting roster who's also an All-American. Totally different when you talk about the women's basketball as men's basketball. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brittany Griner is leading Baylor, and they have a chance to be the first 40-0 team in the history of college basketball, men or women. And I, I can't see them losing tonight, Coach. I know, it, you know, all the number ones made it in in women on, on the women's final four, and the one versus two seed happened. And it, I just can't see. It just seems like in the women's sport, there's a bigger gap between teams, and I, I just don't see Notre Dame pulling off the upset, and, and Baylor's going to win, mm-hmm. aren't they? I mean, it would be. The miracle of Notre Dame won. Yeah, a little little bit of similarity, really, when you when you you bring up a good point. Kansas, Kentucky, the Baylor story, very similar for their women's team as Kentucky was for the men's team. They came into the start of the season as the favorite. They came into the tournament as the favorite. They've advanced, had a few scares, no significant scares, and I would probably agree with you. Brittany Griner and the Baylor Bears uh, probably in school history winning their first championship, right? Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty sure that's Baylor's first championship. Yep. It, it might not be exact. What's the name of their coach? She's awesome. Kim Mulkey. Yeah. She was a great player. Okay. She was a tremendous guard, I want to say for LSU, or but uh, Kim Mulkey, and she has some kind of disease, too, that's affecting her eyes. I forget the the name of it, but she has some kind of physical, uh, some kind of medical, physical disease of recent affliction and of course we also have pat had some of the tennessee coach who has uh, early stage dementia so uh-huh. a little interesting sidelight there she's very animated coach though and her outfits are not exactly conservative are they no no and 
Might as well have some fun when you're out there. You yeah. know what I mean? If, if that's what you are, go out there yeah. and dress a little goofy. What, with the purple shirt and the, was like turquoise pants? Kind of an interesting combo. Uh, well, are you, are you talking about the rainbow shirt she was wearing? Yeah. That was pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. But that, if, if that came in an extra large, I could have worn that at the Pride Parade <laughs> this year. I'll be at that again, by the way, last year. Or uh, again this, this year. year. I've already got it down on the calendar. It was a black. I went there last year. Maybe this year, man, should make a, uh, an appearance. Yeah. A lot of fun. It was just the only bad part of it was getting out of it because it got awfully crowded. And when it was time to leave, when you get a little overheated, I didn't make it to the end of the parade, but it was uh, it was tough getting out of the place. I mean, literally, physically getting tough out of the place. But outside of that, it was outstanding entertainment. And if this year, man, needs an escort to the uh, Pride Parade, I would be more than happy to be the escort. To make it a point, it's going to be Lily the Lilac. I don't want any confusion. <laughs> no confusion whatsoever. Yeah. Well. Or maybe maybe Cubby Bear, she'll be with me. I don't know, either one. But it's not going to be, uh, now, I don't think this year, man. Will, you, will this year, man, be watching the parade? Or par chance, if producer David Olson, maybe our general manager, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, could pull some strings, maybe this year, man, could be in the parade. That'd be it, even it cool. It all depends on the, how, how uh, hot it is in late June this year. Uh, he has come up with a new thing. If you put cabbage down your shorts, it'll really cool you off. So it depends on cabinet supply and temperature. Thank you very much. I believe that goes in the category of uh, more information that we needed to know. 888-463-6748. Dog and the coach at your service right up until the rapidly approaching 11 o'clock hour. We'll be back at you tomorrow with uh, more to come. And tomorrow, Big Dog is our official baseball preview show. So uh, we got to get some information for that. We'll make some predictions that I'm sure won't come true, but we'll be happy to make the predictions. So if you're a baseball fan, we didn't get too much of it today, but tomorrow will be baseball intensive. We should mention real quick the Bulls lost yesterday. Big deal. I saw a stat I was not aware of, and it was mentioned in passing, but you know they lost yesterday. 99-93 was their second loss in a row, and it was the first time that they've lost two regular season games in a row since February. Of last year. Of last year. I mean, that That's, you know, you can let that stat pass over you pretty quickly in a long, tumultuous NBA season. That's pretty amazing. That is, it's 86 games was the last time it happened. That's over. They went more than 82 games without losing consecutive games. That's, that is the sign of a great team. Yes. Great teams, when, when they play poorly, they rebound from it, and they figure out a way, and that they avoid long losing streaks that mm-hmm. way. Uh, I, I, I expect them to win their next game, and they don't go to a three-game losing streak. Sign of great coaching as well. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Uh, sign of receptive players. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, realize that, hey, let's listen to the coach. There's a little bit of that involved, too. Yep. All right, we'll see if we can bounce back. Richard Hamilton did play. Derek Rose maybe, maybe going to play Thursday. Speaking of Thursday, it is the uh, opener. For, of course, the Chicago Cub, but it's also the opening day of the Masters Golf Tournament. Big Dog 76 annual live from Augusta. We'll be doing a little Masters preview on Thursday and Friday. See if we can pick the winner, a tradition like none other than you talked about. You felt uh, you were somewhat confident that you think Tiger Woods may indeed be back. Oh, yeah, I, I would. I, I expect that maybe he's not going to be the Tiger Woods of 10 years ago where he legitimately won what, like forty percent of the tournaments that he uh, 
uh, that he entered. I, I would, yep. I expect him though to legitimately be contending from now on. It is, it, has, it took him a while, but I mean, the last couple, this last couple rounds that he has played, or his last couple uh, tournaments, he's looked really, really good. So, mm-hmm. no more wondering if he's back or not. No more excuses. Either he's going to play well or he won't play well, coach. Speaking of looking really, really good, I did have one of my more disturbing dreams last night. My excitement for the Masters obviously getting to me. Woke up at about 2.45 in the morning. Big Dog looked over at my wife. Looked at that time just a little bit like uh, PGA veteran Ben Crenshaw. Jackson, I don't know if he's on the tour anymore. Wasn't, so. It wasn't a bad look, actually. You know, blonde hair, nice eyes, but, uh, yeah, you know. Masters Golf Tournament. We're all we're all getting into this. So this could be a great week for sports, but uh, the opening day of baseball and golf. And I, we, we got a lot of preview shows to do here. Big Dog, our Masters preview, baseball preview, and we got to get uh, out to Wrigley Field. Hopefully this year, man, can make an appearance. Uh, this year, man, will be out there. I don't know if we'll be talking to any. Um, what type of Masters breakdown are we going to do? Phil or, Phil or Tiger or Rory? I mean, no, that's no, much no. All no, 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 no. Rory McIlroy. you got a Luke. Donald trying to win. There's all kinds of... Friday's show will be Masters Intensive. I'll break down the golf swing of an Aaron Battalow for you, Big Doug, if you want. I'll just stick with Roy McIlroy, Coach. <laughs> all right, Big Dog, be safe. We will talk to you tomorrow. Women's Championship tonight. And don't forget, if you're listening in the fine state of Wisconsin, get out there and vote the Wisconsin primaries tonight, Big Dog. Could be the final time we hear from Rick Santorum. The Big Dog has left us. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com signing off. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.